0: Welcome to the gold standard here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall, and you can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall.
1: My name is Michael Gallagher. You can follow me on Twitter at MG Sports underscore.
0: I suppose I might need to introduce you in a new way, Michael, or you're going to have to introduce yourself in a new way here coming up. You got an announcement for everybody. We'll get to that in just a second. Uh, I, I there's a thing. One of the the big topic on the show today is going to be. About this, just win and get in. You never know what's going to happen in the, happen in the NHL, and certainly this year's postseason. Watching the end of the Boston Bruins season and the way it did, and watching the defending Stanley Cup champions, both one seeds, lose the way they did, uh, and the Predators' history of going to the Cup final in seventeen. This whole win and you're in thing. You never know what's going to happen. We're going to have a conversation that sort of compares and contrasts, and maybe maybe debunk some myths or present some information for folks. Um, and maybe also offer some perspective on the twenty seventeen team that I think we all maybe need to like relive a little bit <laughs> to some degree. So we're gonna have some fun talking about that. Uh, and whether or not it's real. Like is it a thing that can actually happen that you can you can bank on? Um, because again, great series so far. We're gonna argue about the playoff structure. I, I've got some uh, like a mini rant to go on. Uh, i've I've done this before when I in my previous life at a previous radio station. I'm gonna do it again today. Uh, as I'm getting prepared for the second round of the playoffs. It pisses me off, Michael. It just pisses me <laughs> off. Uh, so we'll get to that. But but before we do, um, the gold standard is brought to you by?
1: The great, amazing, wonderful, superb, running out of adjectives. The awesome people at Jaspers.
0: There you go. There you go. They watched my kids this uh, during the Thursday during the draft. I was picking up some great Jaspers food for our draft party. I went and met my wife, took the two little girls, um they went into the they ordered their burgers and fries they went into the game room i didn't see him again for 25 minutes my wife and i had a wonderful afternoon meal it was great um jasper's babysat our children uh they played I love how, you, how
1: they're okay with you plugging this free babysitting part of come and have dinner we'll watch your kids for you
0: <laughs> yeah man uh that's not official uh there's no liability uh thing that they've signed on this uh but it definitely works if they're old if your kids are old enough to go in there uh, I've also taught them how to play shuffleboard. So like both of my children are legitimately decent at shuffleboard. They almost beat my wife and I one game. So then we came back and wh- whipped that ass. The second game <laughs> we had to teach them. We had to teach them that mom and dad don't lay down. Participation trophies are not a thing. Okay. <laughs> it's the right way to teach them. I hate participation trophies. My kids will not know what those are. Exactly. Uh, oh, by the way, the food is also spectacular. Some new menu items. Uh, as well They've got uh, I saw this It is a blueberry Cheesecake Sunday. Holy moly It's incredible I'll tell you about it A little bit more later on But that's not our only Announcement today On the show Michael Go to Jasper's by the way we, lo- we love Jasper's Free parking downtown Next evolution Of the sports bar We do love Jasper's Do the fine folks Listening to this pod All you awesome Wonderful amazing Predators fans All of whom I, I love interacting with On Twitter Shout out to all of you do they have a great place to go read Nashville Predators content from one Mr. Michael Gallagher?
1: They do. So we just we just announced it earlier today, about an hour or so ish ago. Um we launched Nashville Hockey Now. Go check out the website at it's Nashvillehockeynow.com. Uh follow the Facebook page, the Twitter page as well. Um we're partnering, we're under the National Hockey Now umbrella. Um, so, if you're familiar with the Hockey News, we are a very similar company to the Hockey News. Their National Hockey Now is investing in team sites. I think by the end of the week, we'll be in 17 cities. We already have some established, well-established uh, sites in Boston, Colorado, Detroit, stuff like that. Kevin Allen, who, if you know hockey and you know hockey media, Kevin Allen's one of the most popular guys you can you can possibly get. Uh, he he writes up in uh, Detroit, I believe. Um, yeah, just. They're, they're adding a lot of people, um, expanding aggressively, especially it's good for us because with the draft coming up and then development camp, there's a lot of fun stuff happening in Nashville, especially involving the team. Barry Trotz taking over. What is the roster going to look? There's so much stuff to just talk about. And uh, Nick Kieser, um, if you listen to 1025 The Game, he is uh, I think he's a producer for two of the midday shows over there. He's going to be joining me where he's going to be cranking out Preds content all summer, all throughout the year. Uh, so go give us a follow if you don't already we have two stories up on the website now Uh, i think he took a look at some of the prospects to watch over the summer i think there's five or six guys on there and he goes in depth a little bit about what they bring and what they can potentially bring to the predators and stuff like that and then i did a little bit of a a rough look at some of the decisions barry trotz has to make and then i list on there uh who's under contract next year ufas rfa salary cap all that fun stuff so go check out the website nashville hockey now Um, we will be producing. Preds content galore. So for all of you people that are complaining since Adam Mingen left the Athletic that there's no Preds coverage, now we can call you. You're liars. There's plenty of content out there. We'll be (laughs) be producing a lot of it. Um, I can't speak for the Tennessean or A to Z Sports or any of the other local sites that have been covering the Preds, but Nashville Hockey Now is new. It's fun. I've been covering the team since 2015, so you're not getting someone that does not know this team in and out. Uh, So, yeah, go check it
0: out. Nashville Hockey Now. Uh, of course, you can get to them on the Twitter sphere as well. So go follow, go turn on the notifications, do all that great stuff. It's N a N S H hockey now. Uh, I like the branding by the way, too. I think it's good branding. You guys did a good job with that. So go check it out. Um, and uh of course he produces two shows. You're not allowed to do one job at 1025. Anyway, of course not. <laughs> <laughs> or just in sports media in general. You can't ever just have yeah, one. That's true. That's <laughs> true. Um, okay, so Go to Jaspers, go to Nashville Hockey Now, rate, review, subscribe to this podcast, share it, tell your friends about it, all that good stuff. Bills are paid. Um, So I wanted to, I, I don't know where you fall on this, and this is partly why I wanted to have this conversation with you this week on the show, is I, I hear a lot of, and it's part of what makes the Stanley Cup playoffs great. It is part of what makes the sport great, this event great. I think it is, the and, and I think to some degree, like M- NBA and baseball deal with this. To a lesser degree, that the the postseason product is just so much better than the regular season product in baseball and in basketball. But basketball is far more predictable in the postseason. Hockey and baseball are far less predictable. Just the natures of the games, I think, are different. Whereas five versus five in basketball, it's just gonna be the best player is gonna win most times. That's not the way it works in hockey with shifts and. But like this whole idea of just win and get in, and you you could do it again. And I think I, I my goal in this conversation is to put into perspective, frankly, what happened in 2017 because I found myself watching <laughs> I found my I found myself watching Florida score a a, a a goal literally in the last minute of game seven to tie the Boston Bruins, then win it in overtime to knock out and end the greatest regular season hockey team ever assembled in the first round. Then I'm watching the Seattle Kraken, a second-year franchise, knock out the defending champion Colorado Avalanche in Game Seven, and I can hear Predator. I don't even need to. I don't even need to open up the Twitter app. I can hear <laughs> Predators fans saying, "See, just win and you get in. You never know what's going to happen." And I think we need to put out some boundaries on how different 2017 was, or even this Predators team was compared to those two teams that just pulled upsets. So, I know that was a, a big wind up, Michael. The Florida Panthers. Here's some information. The the Florida Panthers.
1: <laughs> you know it's going to be good when it starts off the Florida Panthers.
0: Yes, yes. The most relevant franchise in all of American sports. <laughs> the Florida Panthers. Um so 42 32 and 8. You know what the Predators record was this year? Very similar. 42, 32, and 8. Yes. (laughs) So, again, I can hear it. well, why can't we do that? Because, Because they don't have Matthew Kachuk. The Florida Panthers were the fourth highest scoring team in the postseason this year. The Seattle Kraken scored 100 points in the regular season. They were the number four rated scoring team in the entire NHL this year. The Predators can't score goals. You cannot ask that it's not comparable to just the win and get in. And frankly, it's not even comparable to the the National Predators in 2017, who were 11th in scoring. They only had 94 points. They only won 41 games. And that team, in my opinion, was significantly better at the time than this particular Predators team. Now, that's my first question. Which team was better? 2017 Predators regular season? 2023 Predators regular season? If they're fully healthy. Uh, gosh, I don't. I don't even know. That's a tough one. Um, Wouldn't you say the top end talent on the 2023 team, if fully healthy, is better?
1: Yeah, because I mean, well, yeah. I mean, you're looking at you're looking at that that Cup team: Victor Arvidsson, Ryan Johansson, Philip Forsberg. That was basically your offense. You were you are getting a little bit from PK Subban, Ryan Ellis occasionally, Romaniosi a little bit. But, like, Mike Fisher, not a big points producer. James Neal was on kind of – I think he had 20 goals that year, but he only had 40 points. He was kind of on the tail end of his career. Colin Wilson, Kelly Arncrow, Craig Smith, Mike Ribeiro, all those guys, none of them are are big points producers. So I'd say this year's team, from a scoring perspective and just from an overall talent perspective, is better. But there was something about that that 2016-17 team that they were just scrappy. I think they – I think that you can make a case that that team would want it more – than this year's team, but this year's team, I think talent-wise has the edge.
0: I, I I think you nailed it. The difference was the toughness and the grit and like the Mike Fisher, James Neal, Pekka Rene, there wasn't a bunch of skill on that team, on that team. It wasn't a bunch of really finely tuned, handsy guys. And I think what I did during this exercise is, and here's the other major, major difference. These two games, seven. These were game sevens, and in Boston's case, they lost in the final minute of the se- of the season, basically. Yeah. And so, so doing this exercise, the the number one thing I learned is there's really, like you you cannot compare Seattle and Florida this year to this year's Predators teams. I don't think that's fair to the to the Predators this year, it, 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 meaning that like they're not even in the same ballpark, right? Like I don't think Florida and Seattle are in the same ballpark. As this particular Nashville Predators team. So I don't think it's fair to say, oh, what if they we'd gotten in? We could have done that. Like, no, I don't think you could. Even with UC Soros being great, I don't think you could have done it. But what it did, but what it did for my brain even more was appreciate the nonsense of the 2017 run. Because this year's team scored 92 points. They were negative nine in their scoring differential. That 2017 team had 94 points plus 16 so slightly better obviously defensively they were really really good but my god even that team's numbers aren't close to Seattle and Florida this year then they started losing players to injury then they and it wasn't a game 7 fluky win in in the first round against the 1 seed it was a four game ass whipping <laughs> of the Chicago yeah. Blackhawks that what i think predators fans need to have Really, like important perspective on just how extraordinarily statistically that imp- the improbability of that 2017 run. That's that's what I learned during this doing this exercise.
1: Oh, absolutely! I don't think we'll ever see anything like it. I mean, you have Harry Chuck out there scoring game-winning goals against the Chicago Blackhawks. You have Pontus Aberg and, and Freddie Gaudreau scoring goals in the Stanley Cup Final. You have Colton Sissons going off for a damn hat trick in the in the Western Conference Final. I mean the 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 absurdity of that season a team that had Yannick Weber and Anthony Boteto, Cody McLeod Brad Hunt P A Parentau I mean Reed Boucher was on the team for three games Derek Grant uh, there was so, there, the absurdity of that season I don't think will ever be matched and I think it's something like yeah you would have loved to have won a cup but I don't know anyone that looks back on that cup run and doesn't have fond memories of just the craziness that happened sweeping the Blackhawks fighting back through losing Mike Fisher and Ryan Johansson and Kevin Fiala through some injuries and stuff and getting to the first cup final. Like there'll never be anything like it ever again.
0: Well, and I, and I think so. So if I just ask the basic question, like where do you fall on the win and get in and you can accomplish anything? I I, I think there needs to, I don't, we can both say like, yeah, sure. We've seen it in the past. There's been eight seeds that have made it to the cup final. There's been an eight seed that's won the Stanley cup championship. We've seen it before. But I think it's I think it's way more complex than that. So on its face, do I agree with it? Yes, I think it's true. In the NHL, we, we saw the Tampa Bay, the Tampa Bay Lightning, right? Weren't they the best team in regular like didn't they have 62 wins a couple of years ago and they got swept in the first round by Columbus? Yep. So like I, I agree that it can happen and that it's a thing that happens. But I also think you have to take it in like a case by case basis and break it down in very nuanced form. And when you do that, I could not see this, this Predators team pulling any upsets this year against Vegas or Colorado. I just didn't see, I don't see it. It doesn't, they are not the same as Seattle or Florida. They're just not. But it also then, it also then made me go, well, what was so special about 17? And I guess it was the defense core, how great they were on defense, the leadership. And this is what I think maybe our, our bigger point should be about what is this team missing moving forward? It's missing the Mike Fishers of the world. It's the PK Subans and the Pecorines it is that consistent, veteran, tough physical leadership that also produces. That's what this franchise is missing right now. Because Yossi is elite. Saros is elite, but they are not like Duchesne. Like these guys are inconsistent. I heard uh, uh, Gover and, and Robbie talking about it, and it's all your fault. Like they're inconsistent. They are not, yeah. they, they don't level set. Mike Fisher level sets everything
1: i think that's something that a lot of like mike fisher mike fisher was polarizing there for a little bit because you had half of the fan base saying he doesn't score goals and he's not a he's not a prime elite scorer then you had the other half of the fan base making the point you just made like he may not be a 30 goal scorer but he's consistent all the time and you need players like that in your lineup and i think the thing if, if you ask me what my opinion is i believe the win and get in anything can happen type thing. I believe that, but I feel like that's more of like a first round thing. And, and my, to the, to the point of the 2016, 17 predators, they're, they're the exception, not the rule. You're going to have crazy ass seasons like that, where a team that has no business being in the playoffs makes it to the Stanley cup final. We see it in, in college basketball all the time. How, how many, does anyone think Butler is, is a perennial national championship contender, but there was one year where they, they gave Duke a run for their money and made it to the national championship Two two years, right? Didn't, two they, year. go, didn't they go twice? Me. Yeah. Like you're gonna have you're gonna have exceptions to the rule, like the 2016-17 Predators. I, I can't see, and I know it sounds crazy because Florida just took out Boston, the best team ever in the history of the NHL in the regular season. I can't see Florida making a run to the Stanley Cup with with how much talented how many talented teams are, are in the field. I just I can't see it. Maybe I'm wrong. I, I just have a hard time believing it. So I do believe if you if you get into the playoffs, anything can happen. But I feel like eventually, like, the cream is going to rise to the top. Like, eventually, the teams like Toronto and Edmonton, are are, you're going to have a hard time beating those teams. You're not just going to be able to to get by three series and then into the Stanley Cup final just on luck alone.
0: Yeah, and I think, again, like, I'll be fascinated because Seattle, I was up late again. Seattle wins in game one in, in overtime, and they are a fascinating story. They're so obnoxiously annoying to play against, and I love watching it. Well, I Seattle's, love a,
1: Seattle's a hundred point team too. And I think right, a lot of people, right. a lot of people forget they have five twenty goal scores and they have, they have depth scoring on every single line. Like Colorado mm-hmm. was built like that last year. They had a lot of injuries this year, but, but Seattle could be, I don't, I don't want to put this on them, but they could be this year's version of the Colorado avalanche. Like they just have depth everywhere. Look at the lightning when they went on their run three or four years, they had depth on lines one through four.
0: Well, and I think that's, what's interesting is that there's like there's such a huge difference between Florida and Seattle and this year's Predators team but there's a, just as big a difference between Florida and Seattle and like the Predators from 17 or some of these teams yeah. that that or some of these teams that were 8 seeds that made deep runs like there's just not that cuz I cuz I know some people are making the case that like this Predators team with this particular coach and John Hines is just not that far away right they're just not that far away You know, obviously, John Hines is going to be coming back and fans need to are are coming to grips with that. And it's it's sort of this like, oh, oh, it's just not been that bad. Right. He was like all the things that we talk about with John Hines, right? Like COVID, the tournament starting and stopping, the season starting and stopping, the season starting strangely the following year, all the player injuries, you know, changing GMs. Like there's just a lot of stuff. And as we've said on the show, two things are true. He's been dealt a pretty tough hand, but also He's had eight years to be a head coach. I don't think he's going to reinvent himself all of a sudden. Um, I, but it is also mostly the players' fault that are that are you know the inconsistency from the stars. Um, I, I think all of it works together, and I don't know how it, this team is going to be significantly different in the in next season. But I don't see them being as good as Seattle or Florida. Like I don't, I don't see. Like uh, to your point, like Seattle is just so much better than a wild card team in, in real in like real life. Do you know does that make sense?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think something else you can't discount too in talking about that 16-17 that Predators team, that is that is case in point of why a red hot goalie is so important in the playoffs because Pecorine was lights out through the first two rounds of the playoffs. I think he I think until he got to the Western Conference Finals against the Ducks. I think he was either he either had the record or was on pace to set the record for the lowest goals against average for a goalie in the playoffs. And then we, we saw what happened when, he you, you know, the last couple of games against Anaheim and then against Pittsburgh and stuff like that. But he was he was killing it. And he was he let's see, there was one, two games in the first two series that he allowed more than two goals. Everything else was one goal, one goal, shut out, shut out, two goals like a red hot goalie can carry a team really far into the playoffs. I mean, say what you want about about the goaltending situations in Seattle and in Florida. I, I just I'm not a big believer in in what they have compared to that version of Pecorina.
0: Well, and I want to say, was it Jonathan Quick that won the Cup in 2012 for the Kings? Because he, oh, yeah. was, ju- he was just like on an absolute just yeah freakish tear. I mean, he had
1: like a 96 percent, 96 or 97 save percentage for like a four or five game stretch there. Like Jonathan Quick was he's another. Another one of those examples of how a red hot goalie can carry
0: you to a cup. What's interesting is, I think the other thing that we forget is that they played the six seeded Devils for the cup championship. So, the story that's only happened one time in NHL history uh, about an eight seed winning the cup, a lot of eight seeds get to the cup, but eight seeds winning the cup, they were up against the six seed. So, had the Devils won as the six seed, I think they would have been the lowest champion of all time. <laughs> yeah, so, like, sure. So I think that's lost in in all of this, which again, just speaks to how incredibly, like statistically insane 2017 was. Like, it's just, I think the Islanders won it in 1980 as a five seed. The Devils won it in 95 as a five seed. Um, there's a lot of teams that have got seven or eight seeds have gotten there, you know, and lost in the final. Again, I think Edmonton lost as an eight seed. Um. Uh. The Ducks lost as a seven seed. The Flyers lost as a seven seed. The Predators lost as what technically was an eight seed at the time. So it's it happened. Teams go deep, but let's see what Seattle and Florida do this year. But I just don't think you can stick by the just win and get in because only it's only happened one time in NHL history, and that was because they played a six seed in the final, and I, I just. I don't I don't believe in the win and just get in and you can replicate 2017 thing. I guess is where I'm landing. I don't think that you there's just no way to do it. They've got to do it the real way, which is to be a top 2 or 3 seed <laughs> and you just got to be one of the best six teams in the NHL to go win a cup.
1: Yeah, and I mean there's a reason the Stanley Cup I think is the the hardest trophy to win in sports because you got to go through three grueling rounds in your conference. Then you have to beat allegedly the best team in the opposing conference as well. It's just it's so hard to skate by no pun intended. It's it's so hard to skate by yeah. on luck to a Stanley cup and then win a Stanley cup because you're going against theoretically a team. If you're, if you're a, a Florida Panthers, you're going against a team that, that should be overmatching you. And if you, in the case of uh, the devils and uh, the Kings, you're going against an evenly matched team that shouldn't also be there as well. I mean, it's just, it's one of those things that, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a sports cliche and I understand it, and I, and I believe it to an extent, but I'm I'm also I'm a big believer of the best teams are the best teams for a reason. And usually the best teams end up winning the Super Bowl, end up winning the Stanley Cup, end up winning the NBA Finals. That's just how it goes.
0: Well, and it's not like, again, I think one of the, le- the lessons for me personally is just that these records are all different, right? Like not all these same 41 or 42 win teams are created equally. Seattle, I think, won 46 games this year. So that's a very different record. But yeah. But the, the 2017 Predators were 41, 29, and 12. That's one less loss. That's one That's that's one fewer wins than the Predators team had this year. And we think that this year's team might be more skilled, but they weren't playing at all for most of the season. And And so I think it's like you got to look at what was on the ice during the second half of the season, especially post-trade deadline, and just be like, no, they're just totally different teams. And again, it just continues to put into perspective like we we can't live off of 2017 like aromas anymore. <laughs> like it's yeah. they have to build a better a better franchise, and I think one of the things they're they're missing is that sort of level set veteran physical leadership that I think that 2017 team had that just was a will to win, and I I don't think this team has those pieces yet. Now, if I asked you. Who of the prospects could be those pieces moving forward? Is it Yusuf Parsonen? He's a big dude, kind of physical. I don't know. Mm-hmm. This is my other problem. I don't know who they've got developing into that. That's not. Ale- I love Alexander Carey and Dante Fabro. I think they're very talented. They're not PK Subban. They they don't play like him. Like I- who is the Mike Fisher going to be in the farm system? Is it Parsonen? I don't know. It's not Luke Evangelista. Like Mike Fisher would decapitate Luke Evangelista. If they if they ran into each other on a, on an on an ice rink, so I don't I don't know. Like again, we I I know Zach Larue keeps getting suspended for being physical, so maybe he's the guy.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think if you're asking that question out of who they have in in the pipeline, I think Larue is probably your best bet, and then maybe I don't even know. Yeah, maybe maybe it's and maybe it's Igor Afanasyev. I I they don't really have that consistent grinder that can occasionally chip in goals and stuff like that. At least we haven't seen that yet. So, I mean, I mean, it's, it's a toss up. It could be Reed Schaefer. It could be Fedor Svechkov. He's another one who's yeah. more of a, more of a defensive forward or two way forward than, than a scoring forward. I mean, maybe he, maybe he's going to be the new, maybe not this year, but maybe next year he'll be the new center of whatever the iteration of the herd line is then. I mean, who knows? Right. It, it, there's right. They have a, they have a number of guys that are talented enough to, to do it. I think it's just, it's Barry Trotz is going to have to figure out, he's going to have to one, identify who is that guy. And two, he's going to have to figure out how can we get him to the NHL and how can we set him up for success? Because they have, I don't think the Predators have ever had this problem before. They have so much talent in the pipeline. They have to be careful with with rushing guys to the NHL too quickly and, and kind of going with a too young of a, of a roster instead of having a nice mix of veterans and young players. And I think that's what Barry Trotz is trying to figure out right now is which veteran players make sense for this roster next year? Which young players make sense for this roster next year? Because they're in that weird situation. Do they hit reset and rebuild from the ground up? Or do they keep the roster that they have that almost got into the playoffs and add some pieces and build from that and try to
0: make around the playoffs next year? That That's the, the million dollar question for the Predators this offseason. I can hear all of you listening, shaking your head at that sentence, because that is the same sentence we have used in the offseason for like five straight years. Well, are they going to do a total rebuild or a soft reset or a competitive rebuild or some other garbage weird name to to say one of my one of my titans co-workers calls it a glow up. It's just so ridiculous. Like it's just they traded all their pieces because you know who those guys were. You know the two names that come to mind when I think of Predators hockey that have that sort of physical level setting veteran presence. Well, one of them's playing defense in Edmonton and the other one's kind of not really playing for Tampa Bay right now. Uh, it's Tanner's, you know, and Matthias Eckholm. Those are the two guys that last year when this team was in the playoffs, those are the two guys you would have turned to for that. And now they're gone. So you got to replace those two. But I, I,
1: and then the one guy that's on the roster that you could argue could be that I think would be Colton Sissons. And there's been talk that he might, he has a very affordable contract that he might be shipped out as well. So who knows if he's going to be around, but I think Colton Sissons could do it. I think out of all the guys we've talked about, younger guys, like younger than 25, I think you so Parson probably makes the most sense, but I mean, who knows with this team, they, they, they have so many questions and they have so many pieces that could potentially be on this team next year. Who,
0: who knows what's going to happen? I will say this. I, I like Colton Sissons a lot. He's one of my favorite players that's ever played for the Preds. I think you and I did like a whole segment on an episode one time about how much we appreciate Colton Sissons. Um, I, he's underrated, I, I, man. He, he here's the thing. I think what what happens is I don't think people appreciate Mike Fisher enough, and and he's beloved. People love him. They love who he is. You know, married to the famous person, and every, like I get the whole story. I get it all. I don't think people understand how physical and how tough he was, to a person. And I did a couple shows with Fish. I you know I got to know some of the people around him. Every single person on that team said. Hardest hitter we've ever had on the team, Mike Fisher. And the stories about, you know, the concussion in the playoff run and being flown back in the plane from Anaheim, like in the back of the plane, like basically <laughs> in his own dark room back there, like the toughness and the physicality that Mike Fisher had is, I, I, I don't think Colton Sissons could match that. I don't think Igor Afanasyev could match that. I don't think Yakov Trenin could match that. I think Tanner Janot might be the only one that comes close to matching the physicality and toughness that Mike Fisher brought to the table. And that is what this team is missing.
1: It was, it was always funny. I always got a good chuckle every time Mike Fisher would get into a fight because he could hold his own. He was pretty damn scrappy. And then when the helmets came off, you're like, there's this pretty boy with flowing hair married to Carrie Underwood out there, kicking some ass. And I think he
0: was nicest guy in the world too. Like, Oh,
1: absolutely. And I think he was very underrated. The physicality and the 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 ability to not take shit from other people, I think that was very underrated. And I mean, look, when they traded Shea Weber, there's a reason why David Poyle made Mike Fisher the captain of this team. I think when Weber was traded, it, everyone thought it was a foregone conclusion. Roman Yossi was the next captain. And Mike Fisher got that title, and no one had a problem with it. And the people that were saying Roman Yossi should have got it, Yossi was telling them, no, Mike Fisher deserves it. He's, he's probably one of the more underrated players, underappreciated players in the history of the franchise.
0: Uh, people hate Corey Perry. People hate Ryan Kessler. People hate, you know, those kind of guys, right? You want to know why? Because they hit like a truck. <laughs> and everybody, if you if you grew up playing a contact sport, if you grew up playing football or hockey or anything that was like real physical, you knew there was always a no matter what level, middle school, high school, college, whatever, there was always a guy on the team that you just... You felt it harder than everybody else. Like everybody else you hit, it was fine. But there was always that one dude that played like outside linebacker or safety and like, or a tight end who was just built like a truck and hit harder than everybody else. And I don't think people understand that about Mike Fisher, or maybe they do. Maybe I'm wrong. And the first time I ever met him, it was like my first week on the job and I was in the locker room and I was, he, he had, I think he had just had his first child, and I had just had my first child, and we spent 20 minutes just talking about being new dads. Softest spoken, nicest guy in the world. And, and then you are watching practice, and he, he can destroy people. And I'm not suggesting that this Predators team needs to go back the other direction, right? Be all grit and toughness, the Predators way, old Barry Trotz hockey. I'm not suggesting that's the way they need to do it. I think there needs to be a middle ground. There has to be a blend of, of, of this. New age game that's high paced, high powered scoring. There, there are guys that do that aren't consistent enough. Yeah. So they've this got team, if it's
1: going to be successful, it needs to have uh, the perfect blend of the way Barry Trotz coached and the way Peter Laviolette coached. All offense and all defense didn't work. You need, you need a great blend of the both of them, and hopefully that Barry Trotz has as the the secret formula to figure that out because that's what this team is missing. And when they, when they first made John Hines the head coach, they went all in on this new predator way, this gritty, tough, badass kind of mentality. And it, it didn't work because you need balance. You can't be all in on one style of play or the other.
0: And, and now they have a ton of skilled prospects and a ton of skilled stars and a ton of skilled defensemen, but they don't have that big giant... You know, Swedish defenseman standing back there. They don't have that guy who's going to lead the NHL in fighting. They don't have that guy anymore. So uh, now, now I guess we're asking him to swing back the other direction a little bit. I don't know, but but m- long story short, again, we'll we'll move on here. But I just my my takeaways from the NHL playoffs so far are n- no. While we just witnessed two extraordinary upsets, they are not relatable to this year's Predators team or last year's Predators team, and frankly, they're not even close to being relatable to the Predators team of 2017, because that is such an extraordinary outlier. It is such an extraordinary outlier, what they accomplished in 2017. And I think what it did is it allowed me to appreciate that run even more. Watching Seattle, a 100-point team, pull an upset in Game 7. Watching Florida, the the third or fourth highest scoring team in the playoffs, score a last-minute goal in Game 7 against the greatest regular season team of all time. I appreciated it more after watching that happen because I know how far this Predators team was from either of those Seattle or Florida teams. (laughs) It's, is, I guess what I, so it's kind of a little bit of good, a little bit of bad, right? It's very a bitter, it was was like a bittersweet moment watching all that take place. Okay. Go to Jasper's everybody. Check out Nashville hockey. Now Um, I'm telling you this blueberry, I sent a picture of this, uh, Michael to my wife and she said things back to me that I'm not sure are uh, allowable for air, you know, uh, I don't think I can say all the things that she said about this this thing. But if you like cheesecake, I'm telling you, first of all, next evolution of the sports bar, great burgers, great menu items, great place to go eat, great place to go to take the kids, take the wife, go with your buddies, watch the game, all that good stuff. But they're constantly evolving because they're constantly coming up with new ideas. And this, this thing, a blueberry cheesecake sundae, is one of the most beautiful looking food items I have ever seen. In the history of my life, it is absolutely extraordinary. Oh wow, that does look good. I'm showing a picture to Michael right now. It is, I, I, I love cheesecake. I love blueberries. I love I love everything about this. I'm going to Jasper's this weekend to go get one.
1: <laughs> it's not a bad idea if you have a sweet tooth. There was there was one listener that oh. tweeted one day who had there was like some sort of of Sunday that I don't remember what it was. But it looked amazing as well. Maybe we can start spreading the word that Jasper's is your go-to place for desserts as well.
0: Well, and I've done this a lot. Where like I'll just swing by on the way home, or my wife, because she works over there. She'll swing by the grab-and-go market, grab some cheesecake on the way home. I've got you know I'll have dinner for the kids ready to go. They'll be eating. She'll show up some, with some cheesecake, and she steals all my thunder. She sh- like all the kids don't care about all the work dad did at that point. They're just like, oh, mom's got cheesecake. I guess mom wins today. <laughs> Parenting done right. Not that mom doesn't. Not that mom doesn't win every day, anyway. But like you know, dad wants a couple w. Dad is basically the 2017 Preds. Every now and then, once in a while, I get to the Cup final. But most of the time, it's it's number one seed mom just dominating. Just that's what it is. Uh, go to Jasper's, everybody, and check out Nashville Hockey now as well. Uh, okay, I, I want to get into the playoff structure, and we'll take a quick look here at the second round of the playoffs. I said this back in 2018 as many different times as I could during a four-hour radio show every single morning when Nashville and Winnipeg were essentially the best two teams in the entire NHL, and they had to play each other in the second round of the playoffs. This format has got to go. It has got to go. Uh, Edmonton and Vegas are essentially the top two teams in in the West. I know basically Colorado won the division, and you could argue defending champ. Maybe they deserve to be but it's basically the two best teams in the Western Conference, Vegas and Edmonton, playing in the second round. Carolina and the Devils are two of the top three teams in the Eastern Conference, obviously behind Boston. They are going to play in the second round. So in theory, the four best teams left in the playoffs, are going, half of them will be eliminated in this round, while wildcard teams are off playing in other series. I, I just either reseed these suckers, or seed them one to eight. I don't care if you use the current structure to get into the postseason, but I think they should be. And maybe, maybe there's a hybrid here, Michael, where you can go each division champion is the one and the two, and then you seed them three through six after that, or three through eight after that. I don't know what the right formula is. I want to know what you think. But I, I am tired of the best teams playing in the second round. I'm tired of it. Pittsburgh and Pittsburgh and Washington did it like every year for a while there.
1: Yeah, I. The current system has how do I say this? the current system has a couple things to like about it. However, I'm more of a, of a fan of of like you're saying do the, the normal one through eight tournament format. that's that's the way it's done most of the time. That's the way that makes the most logical sense. I mean look at the playoffs last year you had the wild and the Blues, the two and three seed going at each other in the first round. That was a highly entertaining series. That could have been a conference final matchup. And there's, there's other instances of that happening as well. Like the fact that it, I, for some, it bothers me that Toronto and Tampa Bay was a first round matchup this year. It bothers me that New Jersey and New York was a first round matchup this year. These, these are we should get these later on in the playoffs because they are highly entertaining series. And I just I, I get that it, like you want to do what's best for for the sport or whatever. But just go back to the to, what was wrong with the old format. I enjoyed it. I liked it. That's the way it's always been done. And I'm not trying to sound like old Mister Curmudgeon. Like this is the way it always is. We can't change it, but it worked. Why? Why switch it back up? Like why switch it up again? I just don't understand it.
0: Well, so I think your point. Um, I, I don't think your point about Tampa is is correct about be, them being in the first round, being a first round matchup, because at 98 points they finished sixth in the conference. So if you if you went in the Eastern Conference, you'd have Boston. I know, as but a they made point.
1: it to the Cup final last year. Like Tampa well, that ben, is, that is that one is a, of the best teams
0: in the league. Yeah, but that doesn't matter. I, I that's not that that doesn't matter. No, number one seed would be Boston, and they would play the eight seeded Florida Panthers. So same same exact matchup, right? Um, two. No, then you'd have uh, Carolina would be your two seed, and they would play the Islanders. Okay, same matchup. That's fine. Then you the next matchup you would have is New Jersey would be the three seed, Toronto would be the four seed, the Rangers would be the five seed. So you would have had Toronto and the Rangers in a matchup. Which would have changed that outcome, and then Tampa would have played New Jersey. And to your point, that could have led to a New Jersey New York second round. Uh, so again, I go back to the Jets and the and the and the Predators in the, in in 2018. They were one, I believe, they were first and second. It was the President's Trophy and the President's Trophy runner up in the entire NHL. Yeah, playing in the second round. And I understand what they're trying to do. To your point, the positive is you're trying to build divisional rivalries, regional rivalries within the playoffs. So that you get that sort of Ovechkin-Crosby thing that happens, right? And like year after year. And I get that. Like watching St. Louis and Minnesota and Dallas and Colorado and Nashville and Winnipeg all together, fighting it out with Chicago those years. Like I understand what they were going for.
1: I would would argue to that point, I would argue you can get those and they can happen organically. Like look at 2016-17 there was like around that time there was a 3 year period where the ducks and the predators was was more important of a rivalry game than arguably against any of the other teams in the division except for the blackhawks like and that that happened because they played each other frequently and they that when they met in the in the conference final that was one of the most brutal series i've ever watched i think you can get those kind of rivalries and that kind of entertaining television right. by with the, with that playoff format because we saw it back then
0: well and what's interesting is that technically i guess in theory your 1-8 matchup is still guaranteed in each conference, right? Because you're going to get the number one divisional winner against the last place team into the playoffs, right? So that's always a 1-8 matchup already. So that one's already guaranteed. You're not even guaranteed the 2-7, right? Because, it's cause again, you could finish second in your division and, and, and still be way ahead of the other division winner. So you're not even guaranteed a 2-7 or a 3-6 or a 4-5. And there's a reason we have those matchups in every other sport. <laughs> yeah.
1: My my only other thing I would say is if you want more entertaining, if you want the playoffs, the format to be more entertaining is if you keep the current format reseed after the after each round reseed because I think that that makes things intriguing that spices things up that that gives you something that they haven't traditionally had and maybe that gives you more entertaining matchups and maybe that is something that would pique the interest of fans because ultimately this is all about getting more eyeballs to the television to watch these games if the nhl is the only league around that is reseeding its playoff format or its playoff bracket after each round that gives a lot of people even casual fans reason to tune in to see what's going on
0: I, i agree with you so i guess okay so you the current format positives it gives you some regional matchups that can build over time and create divisional rivalries and familiarity. Okay, I get it. That's a positive. It's kind of nebulous, but it's a positive. Uh, a better path, maybe, for the wild card, right? Because it's a maybe it's a slightly easier path for a wild card because you're not receding. So maybe it, that adds value to the wild card. But that, in my opinion, takes away value from the best teams, and which you're supposed to earn something, right? And then, of course, I, I will acknowledge that the first round matchups have added value because of the two three thing like to your point about Toronto and Tampa, New York and New Jersey, you know, Minnesota and Dallas, like the the, the Kings and the and Oilers, these are the 2-3 matchups are very very good, very competitive series. Yeah. But a, but that means in both conferences two of the best six teams are going to be gone in the first round no matter what. And that doesn't feel I, I'm with you. One to eight seed them 1 through 8 or keep it similar keep the structure the same and then reseed the next round because we'd have, we'd have very different matchups right now. We'd have Vegas versus Seattle. We'd have a, we'd have very different matchups right now in the playoffs if we reseeded because the two, one seeds got beat.
1: Yeah. I mean that, that makes the most sense. And, And to me, watching a series Vegas, watching Vegas against Seattle in the second round is more entertaining to me than watching Seattle and Dallas, and I know Seattle and Dallas had a hell of a game one, and that was a lot of fun too. But I don't expect that to continue happening over the next four or five, six games. Seattle and Vegas, I feel like would be entertaining, and it would hold up over a seven game series. I, I feel like if you're going to keep the current playoff format, switch to reseeding because one, it's different; two, it gives you different matchups; and three, I think it will help draw more people in. And I'm not saying you're going to see a huge surge in ratings, but I think it will help you draw more people into watch these games.
0: Uh, Yeah, I agree. Uh, So, end of rant. I just wanted to to bitch and moan a a little bit about the playoff format because I haven't done it in a little while, and I I wanted to do it after now seeing how this season's playoff has played out. Looking at these second round matchups, going Vegas and Edmonton, that's a Stanley Cup final. Uh, I know it's physically not possible, but that is such a good matchup. Carolina and New Jersey. Even though I hate the Devils, growing up a Rangers fan, I hate the Devils, and Carolina is just sort of uh, I don't know. They're kind of annoying. (laughs) Um, There, those two teams are not like likable. So I'm not like loving watching that, but uh, Seattle and Dallas is easy to root for Seattle <laughs> over, yeah. da- over Dallas. Um, and I'm it- curious
1: to know the number of Predators fans that are rooting for the Oilers to win the cup because of Matias Ekholm or to get ousted in the next round because they want a higher draft pick.
0: I, I, I see both sides of it. I want the higher draft pick. If you're a Preds fan, that's cynical and shrewd. But at the same time, what what do I want to watch on the biggest stage? What's best for hockey? And that I said it. I'll keep saying it. It's Connor McDavid and his buddy Leon being on the Stanley <laughs> Cup final stage against one of these big, frankly, against Toronto, uh, against one of these big Eastern Conference teams would be what's best for the game.
1: If uh, Matthias Ekholm wins a Stanley Cup, Nashville will take credit for it, just like Detroit took credit for Matt Stafford winning a Super Bowl. <laughs> that will happen. Mark my words.
0: <laughs> um, all right, quickly, we'll wrap up here. Go to Jasper's. Check out Nashville Hockey now, of course. Please, please, please go to Jasper's. Uh, support the wonderful and amazing folks there at Jasper's. So the NHL, real quickly, draft lottery is on Monday night next week, uh, 8 p.m. on NHL Network, I believe. Uh, of course, the Nashville Predators are second to last in terms of their odds. You, a reminder, you can only move up, right, like 10 spots. So, 10 spots, yeah. So the are, highest they can
1: go is fifth, is fifth.
0: The highest they can go is fifth to warn you all
1: about this when you were saying go for the playoffs. I was like, this is going to bite you in the ass <laughs> when it comes time for the draft lottery because theoretically, if you yeah, if you get the fifth pick, there's a lot of good players there. But I mean,
0: it uh, looks like if, if I'm reading this map correctly, they have a 1.1 percent chance to get up to number five. They have a 97.9 percent chance of picking 15th. So as you get closer to the top four or five, that's when those numbers really really change. Anaheim has a 25% chance of being number one. They are the number one team or the bottom team. Uh, Columbus has a 13.5% chance to get the one pick. Connor Bedard, Chicago has an 11.5% chance to get it. San Jose, nine and a half percent chance to get it. So just there, there's a bunch of teams that have like an eight, seven, six, five, all the way down. We all can just root for Anaheim or Columbus, but mostly Columbus to get the number one overall pick to take Connor Bedard. Just not just hashtag not Chicago.
1: It's yeah, I think we all can can agree, no matter if it's Anaheim, Columbus, San Jose, Mont- whoever, as long as it's not Chicago getting Connor Bedard. I not, just,
0: not even Bedard. everything
1: that came out with, with how they handled the Kyle Beach thing and just the, the, the shit storm that's been the Blackhawks the last year or two, I just, I can't see how anyone could be excited about them having a generational prospect. But of course, it's Chicago, it's a big market, it's good I for know. the NHL, so Conspiracy. I think you mentioned a couple months ago. I wouldn't be surprised if somehow, some way, Chicago ended up with the number one pick.
0: (laughs) Well, here's again, this is all you need to know. There's a 90% chance that they don't get it. There's only an 11% chance that they do, which means conspiracy theory. There's a 40% chance that Chicago is picking fourth and a 30% chance they're picking fifth. So really, the odds on Chicago are fourth and fifth, most
1: likely. I would love it if Chicago was fourth or fifth, because I don't want them to have an infantile (laughs) either. Yeah, well,
0: Exactly. So there you have it. Draft lottery on Monday night. Keep an eye on it. That's where the Preds are going to get their draft slot, which of course is going to be in Nashville and one of the most important drafts in franchise history. Nashville Hockey Now. Michael, tell everybody about it.
1: Yes. The website, Nashville Hockey Now. Follow us on Twitter, NSH Hockey Now. Uh, follow us on Facebook. I think it's the, the exact same handle. Pumping out a lot of Preds content. We just got started today. We launched myself and Nick Kieser, We have two stories up. Uh, One on some Preds prospects to watch over the summer. Another one kind of talking about the questions Barry Trotz is facing. We'll have a lot more stuff. Um, I think Nick and I are both going to be at the draft in person. So we're going to have, we're going to be pumping out a lot of draft coverage, a lot of prospect stuff over the next year or two. I know Pelty Box Radio does a little bit. We're going to hopefully push out a lot of stuff. So you will be well informed about prospects, teams that or players that could potentially be targeting, stuff like that. We're also going to have a, a big, we're going to expound a lot more on the get to the nitty gritty of what this roster could look like. I'm working on a, a story that I'm a lot of moving parts to it, but we're going to have a lot of content for you at Nashville Hockey Now.
0: There you have it. Go to Jasper's, everybody. It's a great place to hang out. Fix the NHL playoff structure and just remember, you're, no, your team is not going to just get in and win it all. It doesn't happen. It, it what, what happened this, this week is not r- related to the Preds in any way, shape, or form. And just remember all those feelings you had in 2017. They're probably never going to feel like that again. Doesn't they're mean they won't win it it. in
1: 2017.
0: They need to, they, well, you can remember them. They're great. They're great feelings, man. Uh, game four in Chicago. That was a party for the last eight minutes in that building. It was just like an. it, it was literally the Animal House sa- soundtrack <laughs> for like the last eight minutes of that game. And it was absolutely spectacular. But just remember those vibes and just recognize how extraordinarily unique that was and how it's not replicable and how the Predators need to be a two seed to win a championship, not the eight seed. So that's all I need to say. Go to Jaspers, Nashville Hockey Now, at MG MGSports underscore. You can get to Michael there. You can get to me at Braden Gall. Thank you guys for listening. Predators fans, enjoy the NHL playoffs. We'll be back next week. Have a great weekend, everybody.